Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name's Johnny, together with my wife Amy, we lead this church here in the centre of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. If we can help you in any way at all, please feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. So earlier this year in January, actually, uh, Kate and I were fortunate enough to go on holiday. Um, I don't know if you remember holidays. They were those things that you would maybe get out of your own house, go to somewhere else in the country, or you would get on something called a plane. um, And the plane would take you to a completely different place in the world. And you would have time, you know, to relax and be out of one environment for a week or so. They were called holidays. Anyway, I hope you remember them. But we went on one in January um, and we had an amazing time. But when I think back to this particular holiday, uh, one thing uh, in particular stands out. And that is that I got obsessed with the word unprecedented. I mean, it sounds weird. It was weird. And it became a bit of a running joke throughout the week. Um, It seemed that whatever situation we were in, I kept using the word unprecedented. Like we would be out for dinner and the pizza would come and I'd look down at the pizza and go, oh, unprecedented. We'd watch a video in the evening and it would finish and I would say unprecedented. I think I even said it, putting on my socks in the morning. I would just use this word for anything and everything and it became kind of a, um, a, a liturgy for our holiday. <laughs> but um, towards the end of the week, considering that this was at the beginning of the year, Kate and I felt um, just to pray and just to ask God what he wanted to say um, to us for 2020. If there were things in particular he wanted to put on our hearts for the year. And as I was praying and uh, writing in my journal, of course, the word that came up was unprecedented. And I remember writing it in my journal, unprecedented, with a little uh, arrow next to it and the words, word for the year, question mark. And then beneath it, the definitions, unprecedented, never before seen or known. Other definitions are unparalleled or never before experienced. And as I wrote this, I realized, gosh, I, I think this is a word that God is giving um, to me, um, but also to us as a church for the year. And I began to pray and I, and I felt that this word encapsulated what I wanted in my relationship with God. Like, you know, like, Lord, I, I want an unprecedented intimacy with you this year. I, I want to see an unprecedented measure um, of your love and of your power. I want to see an unprecedented move of God. I want all of these things like I've never seen or known before. And it was probably the point in the sermon where you think that um, in light of recent events that I'm going to claim this as some kind of prophetic insight. But alas, I didn't uh, see the coronavirus pandemic coming any more than the rest of us did. I did find it interesting, however, how much this word was used. It's like it's even happening still at the moment, but particularly when when lockdown started. I don't know if you noticed, but all over the media, the word unprecedented was there. Online blogs, newspapers, wherever you looked, you would find the word unprecedented. The Guardian talked about the coronavirus as presenting an unprecedented challenge. Politicians talked about implementing unprecedented measures, scientists about unprecedented research, and doctors about unprecedented numbers of patients. If we were going to pick a word to sum up this season, I'm sure that unprecedented wouldn't be far down the list, if not at the top. And yet I believe the promise 
that this word represented for me and for our community at Trinity at the beginning of the year still stands. That in these unprecedented circumstances, there is still an invitation um, for us to to, to to get to know God, to uh, have an intimacy with him like we have never known or seen before. And I believe that if we can respond to that, we are going to see a move of God beyond anything that we imagined. A movement of his love and his power in our city, um, even in our nation. And many of us are sensing this. Many of us are seeing the signs that the Spirit of God might just be up to something in these days. You know, maybe it's that we, we, we felt um, God displacing idols in our own life. Maybe even in lockdown, things that are just getting in the way of, um, of us giving him our love and our desire and the whole of our lives. We've seen God do that in his church as well, haven't we? And instead, recentering us on devotion and witness. You know, this is, this is uh, what we feel God's been calling us to do, right? To deepen our devotion, to broaden our reach. There's been a marked increase in people turning to prayer. In the country, some for the first time ever, and more people than ever, exploring the question, who is Jesus through Alpha? Not just in the UK, but around the world. We might say that God is using unprecedented circumstances to do an unprecedented work and isn't that just like God? Isn't that so often the way that God has worked throughout history? What is more unprecedented than a God who would take on flesh that we all might know him? A God of heaven and earth who would come and die on a cross to outwork a plan of salvation? What about a prophet who encounters God in the belly of a whale or a shepherd who becomes king of Israel or an ordinary girl who mothers a Messiah? God uses unprecedented circumstances to do an unprecedented work and I believe that this uh, work at least part of it um, part of this work that God wants to do within us is for us to know him to form a people who really know him and that means knowing his voice and taking confidence in his voice because we know that everything else flows from that that when we seek first the kingdom of God everything else is added you know, we don't, um, we don't capture our heart for the transformation of our city just by trying harder or by reading sociological studies, but by getting to know God and realizing that his heart is to see his children come home, is to see a city alive, is to see a city transformed by his goodness and his love. You know, we don't, we don't uh, grow in boldness uh, in prayer or in evangelism just by trying harder, but by capturing God's heart and following it. We want to know him and to know his voice. And this has been uh, one of the ongoing prayers in my life. From my earliest days of being a Christian, this has been my prayer. Lord, I want to know you. I remember as a teenager, um, not long after I started following Jesus, I would go down to a park bench in my village and read through the Gospel of Matthew. I made a routine out of reading through the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember getting to those words in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about people coming to him and them saying, Jesus, did we not do, uh, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? And Jesus says those harrowing words, I don't know you. Ugh, I don't know you. And I remember reading that and thinking, Lord, I don't want that for my life. I want to be someone who knows you, who knows your voice, not out of fear, but out of longing. Because as Johnny said the other week, knowing God is the great adventure. 
That when we, that when we come to God, when we give ourselves to knowing him and knowing our voice, we are connecting with the entire purpose for our existence. You know, the story of scripture, if we were going to try and boil it down to a sentence, is a God who longs for his people to know him. And this is true of prayer as well. Prayer, the exciting thing about prayer isn't just that we get to speak to God and this sense of God being with us, although that is amazing, but the fact that God speaks back, he longs to communicate to us, as it says in Exodus about Moses, as a, as a man speaks to his friend. And God wants this for each and every one of us. And so as, as we are called into this um, journey, further on in this journey of knowing him, I believe this looks like knowing his voice, becoming familiar with his voice. And that's what I want to talk about today. And that's what our reading in 1 Samuel is all about. So why don't we come to that? And why don't I read this again to us? Starting first, uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord said, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, for the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. What an amazing story. What an incredible story. And this story, of course, is about someone learning the sound of God's voice, learning to hear God's voice. And this person is Samuel. But Samuel's story, of course, starts a couple of chapters earlier with his mother, Hannah. Hannah was this woman who loved God but was unable to conceive a child. And she would just bring her anguish and her anxiety about this situation to God in faith, knowing that he listened and she, 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 was, she was someone that sought a move of God, um, uh, not outside of her life, but in her life, in her own womb. And God answered her. God made her pregnant with Samuel and said that this would be someone that she was to consecrate, to dedicate to the Lord. And so, and so she does. So Samuel's born and, and Hannah dedicates, consecrates Samuel to the Lord, which looked like giving him to the priest uh, Eli. Eli would become like a foster father to him and Samuel would serve with Eli uh, in the presence of the Lord. And yet we see in this, uh, in this passage that although Samuel had been dedicated to the Lord, he did not yet know him. He didn't yet know God. 
And I mean, immediately, isn't that something we can relate to? That our, that our, our lives so often progress in stages that many of us have consecrated ourselves, have given ourselves to God, um, but now we're called to know him. Now we're called to know the sound of his voice. And so this story is about Samuel learning God's voice for himself. And Samuel, of course, will go on to be one of the great heroes of the Bible, one of the great heroes of Israel. Through, uh, through Samuel, God would raise up the first kings in Israel, notably King David, through whom's bloodline Jesus himself would descend. Fundamentally, Samuel was someone that knew God's voice and lived in response to it. And so we get to this story and, and we see that, um, uh, remarkably really, we see that Samuel doesn't immediately recognize uh, God's voice. He thinks it's Eli in the other room and three times uh, God calls to him and he goes through to Eli and it's likely that this happened uh, at dawn. So you can almost, as you're reading it, imagine the irritability in Eli's voice. Go and lie down, go and lie down. But this goes on and Eli, um, on the third time, discerns that maybe God is doing something that God might be speaking. And so he tells Samuel to go back and when he hears the Lord again, just to say to the Lord, just to ask him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel does this and God speaks. He speaks to him. And the reason that um, we're using this story this morning is I think that, um, that there's so much in this story that we can learn about what it means to know God's voice, perhaps even some of the barriers that get in the way of us knowing his voice. And I want to look at some of those um, just really briefly before we pray at the end. So the first thing is this, expectation. Let's read again, uh, halfway through verse 1 in chapter 3, we see this, don't we? The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. You know, Samuel was born into a context where the word of the Lord is rare, where God was, wasn't, wasn't speaking perhaps in the same way that he used to, and visions weren't happening in the same way perhaps that they used to. In other words, Samuel was uh, born into a, a culture that it's probable didn't expect that God would speak. You know, can't we relate to this? Don't we find this in our own culture? that there's a lack of expectation that God would speak, that so often the church is seen as nice, maybe useful for certain social institutions, but not somewhere where the God of heaven and earth would speak to us, not somewhere where our souls would be captured and our hearts shaken. You know, the expectation of God's reality, let alone uh, expectation of him speaking, is at a low in our culture. And that affects us, doesn't it? Whether we like it or not, some of that expectation seeps in to our own walk with Jesus. And I'm sure it did the same for Samuel. Maybe it was as simple as this. It can't be the Lord speaking because I don't expect that the Lord speaks. But the Lord does speak, doesn't he? We see in this passage that he does speak to Samuel. And this is even more true for us, it's even more true for followers of Jesus, that when we follow Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we should expect that God wants to speak to us. You know, this changes everything. Even the the basic thing of having an expectation that God wants to speak can change everything 
in our lives. You know, I think about our youth in church at the moment who over the last year, obviously before lockdown, over the last year have been meeting together and um, hearing a story from one of the youth team earlier this week about the youth getting together and just um, and just asking God to speak to them and, and, and learning to expect that God would want to say something to them. And through this, every single one of the youth had something that they felt God was saying to them or through them to someone else. You know, we found the same thing in prisons. When we've gone in to, um, to, to do our services in prisons, we spend some time after that service just waiting on the Spirit of God and just saying, you know what, God wants to speak. Uh, ask, ask him to speak to you, and we believe that he will. And we've just found that God come and speak to people, often giving people a similar sense or a similar image um, uh, across the meeting. Expectation is so key. We need to expect that God speaks. The second thing that I think may have got in the way of Samuel realizing that it was God calling to him is inadequacy. You know, this is such a big one, isn't it? Because after all, Eli was the priest. He was the professional. He was the spiritual and religious expert. You know, maybe it was as simple as, you know, God doesn't speak to me. God surely speaks to the super spiritual ones, those religious professionals. Maybe you relate to that. Maybe you think that uh, God only speaks to those who stand up on Sundays or in front of a camera and give sermons. Or those people who dance at prayer meetings with flags and things like that. Who knows? Or those who know a little bit of biblical Greek. But God's desire is to speak to all of us, irrespective of how spiritual we feel. Maybe the second point of inadequacy for, for Samuel was his age. You know, most scholars think that at, this, uh, at the time of this story, Samuel was about 12 years old. Maybe it was as simple as, surely God won't speak to me. I'm just, I'm a kid. Surely God doesn't speak to kids. But we know that he does. Don't we? We, know that, we know that youth, we know that age is no barrier for God moving in our lives. We've seen this in our kids' church. You know, we, we, we've seen children praying for an impartation of the spirit upon their parents. We've seen little girls scrawl prophetic longings on bunk beds. We know that children, we know that young people hear God, that it is no barrier to hearing his voice. But maybe it's the other way. Maybe you feel you're too old. Like your best years, your best days are behind you and your utility to God has gone down. You know, as I was writing this, I felt the Spirit just speak to me about spiritual mothers and fathers. And I really believe that what God is wanting to do is going to require more spiritual mother, mothers and fathers to rise up than ever before. Because I believe there's a move of God coming and we're going to see a wave of salvation. We're going to see new believers pouring into our churches and they're going to need people to parent them. They're going to need people who have grown up and who have been formed and who have marinated in the love and the wisdom of God to come beside them and love them and disciple them. You know, I think about our prisons. I think, you know, if God brings revival to our prisons, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see a movement of salvation and people coming out of prison who perhaps have never had a, mod a model in their lives of a loving mother and father. Even now, as I'm saying this, some of you are watching and you're feeling God prompt you. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me. Listen to him. Listen to him. Respond to him. Even in this moment, say, God, I open myself to you. I want to be a spiritual mother and a, or a spiritual father. Paul makes this point, doesn't he, to the church in Corinth. He says to them, you've got many guides, but you do not have many fathers. And I think this movement of the Spirit is going to be accompanied by God raising up spiritual mothers and fathers. Third thing I want to talk about is perception. Perhaps uh, 
Samuel struggled to realize that God was speaking because because of his perception of how God speaks. You know, God calls to him and it seems ordinary enough that he thinks it's just Eli in the next room. You know, it's not um, like one of these angelic um, visitations that we see in scripture where a heavenly host come down to deliver a message and, uh, f- and the, the, the people who are present have to be told, don't be afraid. Like We, we don't see that here. We see something uh, more ordinary. Samuel hears a voice that seems ordinary enough, even close enough to be in the next room. Perhaps Samuel mistook this voice for Eli because it seemed familiar. You know, I think this is such an important point. Our perception of how God speaks can so often get in the way of how we actually hear him. You know, many of us um, perhaps expect for God to speak out there and we're longing to, to hear God give us a message out in the ether that we can bring into our own hearts and lives. And God certainly speaks like that. I have friends who have had moments hearing the audible voice of God, those kind of sky-splitting uh, mystical moments, and I believe that they happen. But I also believe that as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That that Jesus is alive within us just as we are alive in him. And so it makes sense, doesn't it, that also the word of God, the the voice of God would come to us from the inside. That the more that we direct our lives, the more that we center our lives around Jesus, the more he will redeem our emotions and our imaginations. Even the words we speak and the things that we see become fertile soil for him to speak through. Often I think God speaks through the small nudges. The senses that we get that seem, when we, when, we, when we open ourselves up to him, that seem too good or too simple to just be us. You know, I've struggled with this for so many years, particularly as a new Christian. I, I, I would go on long walks longing for God to speak, and it felt like God didn't speak. But slowly I, would, I begin to realize that God was so much closer than I thought. He was right under my nose. I was looking for him out in the stars, and he was next to me in my room. I think of a friend of mine, Ben, who's been experiencing this for the first time. Uh, Ben, just before lockdown, came to church for the very first time. He was not a Christian, had never been to church, and came to church and experienced something, in his words, that he had never experienced before. He experienced the presence of God. And since lockdown, uh, me and Ben and a couple of others have been just getting together on Zoom and uh, talking about prayer, talking about hearing God's voice together. And it's been amazing. The, these, uh, the, the other three guys, I think would, they would say uh, they're quite new to faith, they're quite new to all of this. And yet what Ben's been experiencing as he opens himself up to God is these little nudges, these promptings that perhaps he wouldn't have noticed before. But as he opens himself to God, God begins to speak through him. God begins to speak into his heart and into his life. You know, he tells a story of um, he's been learning to pray uh, the midday Lord's Prayer like lots of us do. And him going for a little walk and just chatting to God for 20 minutes or so afterwards. And, you know, he talks about one time where he was doing this and he just felt this prompting to go and encourage one of his work colleagues in a really significant way. And it's like, you know, that's God. God's speaking to him. God bringing up these these nudges and these thoughts that seem too good or perhaps too simple to just be him. The last thing I want to say about this story is that hearing God is a process. 
You know, this, we see many accounts in scripture of, uh, of God just speaking directly and people getting it first time, and that's great. But this story we see um, is a process of Samuel learning to take confidence in the voice of God, learning to realize that the voice he was hearing was indeed God's voice. And I don't think there are any shortcuts for learning God's voice. I'd, I'd love to give you a really quick fix. I'd love to tell you, you know, three easy steps to hearing God's voice in every part of your life. But I really think it looks like stepping out when we feel God speaking. We won't learn God's voice if we don't, uh, if we don't step out, if we don't begin to respond when we feel like he's speaking. You know, sometimes we'll get it wrong, but that's, that's okay because we're pursuing him and we're pursuing a relationship and an intimacy with him in our lives. And so we have to ask. That's the other key thing about Samuel is he had to get before God and say, speak, your servant is listening. And then we have to listen. St. Augustine says that God gives where he finds empty hands. You know, I found this personally that, that so much of how I've experienced God speak uh, in me and also through me, I've, I've had to ask. You know, I'd love to say that um, I'm just walking around and I, um, and I just feel God um, say something, just cut into my day when I'm thinking about something completely different. That's happened a handful of times, but it doesn't happen very often. More often than not, I have to ask God. I have to, I have to um, become aware of his presence and I have to ask him what he might want to say. You know, for me recently, this has looked like, um, honestly, and it's as weird for me as it is for anyone else, I promise you, but God has been giving me some really specific uh, pictures, some really specific things um, about perhaps people's lives that I'm going to encounter that um, I couldn't possibly know otherwise. And the whole point of that is so that, that, that if I would speak those things out, that person would know that God knows them and loves them. You know, this has happened. There's a few stories I could share, but one in particular um, is um, a girl who started coming to church um, a little while ago. And, and it was a, a Sunday morning and the ministry time was going on. I think Johnny had just finished preaching and the ministry time was going on. And I simply asked God, God, is there anything that you want to say? And, um, and, and all I do in this moment is I picture a white canvas in my mind, literally just a blank white canvas. And I, and I don't try to analyze anything. I don't try to overthink. I just say, Lord, um, would you speak? I'm listening. Is there anything you want to say? And then just let him, uh, just let him bring stuff onto that canvas. And this one particular occasion, I started to get a sense of a, a caterpillar, which ended up turning out to be something around the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And then this thought that maybe it was for someone who, who was quite new to church and then maybe someone who had even read that book or had, had something to do with that book this week. And so I tentatively went up to Johnny and said, Johnny, it's a weird one again, but, you know, what do you think? Should I just say, speak it out? And so I did. And at the end of the service, this girl comes up to me and she said, when you said that thing about the caterpillar, I knew that God was speaking to me. And it turned out that, uh, uh, that earlier that week, um, she had been back in London with some family and her little brother had been reading the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And it had become such a thing in the week that she gave him the nickname, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Um, and she was brand new to church. She hadn't been to church very long at all um, and had come on that Sunday morning. And through that conversation, through God speaking in that way, she is now, um, she made the decision to follow Jesus. We have to ask. I share that story because I genuinely believe that that is possible for so many more of us than we believe. To just, to, just to step out, just to take those small steps of obedience when we feel like we're hearing God's voice can lead to life-changing things. 
God can use it in amazing ways. And so this is the invitation today. Really simply, the invitation is this. What would it look like to come out of this time of lockdown with an unprecedented sense of God's voice in our lives? Knowing that God wants to speak to us. Knowing that he wants to communicate in every part of our lives. Knowing that he wants to speak into our relationships, into our own hearts, our marriages, our family life. Our city, the people who just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening wherever we are, whatever we're doing. You know, I think God is searching for even just a handful of people who want that. Just a handful of people who are willing to say yes to that. Because I really believe that the work God is doing is to form a people who aren't fixated on growing, but are fixated on knowing, not fixated on growing the church but on knowing the Father, of falling in love with him. You know, it's no wonder when I'm thinking about this that Jesus uh, chooses 12 disciples and invests all of his time into these 12 people because he knows that 12 people who know his voice and are filled with his spirit can change the world. What about three or four hundred people at Trinity Church Nottingham who know his voice, who know the sound of it and are scattered across the city? Could we not see a city change? Could we not begin to see a nation transformed by the goodness of God? Because honestly, church, I don't think we're suffering from uh, too many Christians overconfident in the voice of God, but too many cautious Christians who don't know that God wants to speak to them. You know, we could do with a little more holy mess, couldn't we? Because, you know, what? I think God is well pleased with his children who get it wrong, pursuing him, pursuing being obedient, pursuing stepping out for him. God is wanting to birth something new, is wanting to form a people who know him, who love him, who seek him first. The final thing I want to say before we, before we pray together is this. I know that many of us, have been feeling conflicted as followers of Jesus of how to respond to this time. You know, on the one hand, you know, do we, do we see it as an unparalleled opportunity, uh, as something that we, we, we should be full of faith for with all that God is doing? Or actually, do we need to learn to lament? Do we need to learn to um, recognize the tragedy of this time? And it's been hard to figure out which one of those two responses to have, almost as if we have to choose. My final point is this, and it comes from Samuel's mother, Hannah. You know, Hannah was someone who loved God and who had faith in God, but poured all of her anguish and all of her anxiety and all of her lament out to him. And through that, through that, through that interconnection, that tension of grief and faith, God does a new thing. He brings about Samuel. And I just want to say that because I believe that the new thing that God is wanting to do isn't going to look like us orphaning either of those things. It's not going to look like us being hopelessly optimistic or full of lament and grief, but it's going to look like these two things coming together of grief and faith meeting and us journeying into all that God wants to do in and through us. Do you want to know him? Do you want to know his voice? Why don't we ask him now? Maybe you um, want to just open your hands wherever you are, in your house, whatever room you're sitting in. Just open yourself to the Lord and just begin to ask him just to come and fill you with his spirit. And if this is your desire, just um, as Samuel did, just, just even say those words, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. 
Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did, both individually and in our lives together, so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening. Thank you.